Welcome to Happy Hour with Operation Happy Nurse, where we openly discuss mental health as practicing nurses and the reality of what it means in healthcare. We are your lovely hosts. My name is Carly. And I'm Ashley. And we hope you enjoy. Welcome back to Happy Hour with Operation Happy Nurse. This is one of your co-hosts, Carly Baker. Today we have a special guest and team member joining us, Dr. Pamela Caragori. She's here to tell us a little bit about herself so our listeners can get to know some of the wonderful people that make up the Operation Happy Nurse team. So thank you for joining us today, Dr. Caragori. We are happy to have you here. Well, thank you for having me. I'm I'm delighted to be here and delighted and honored to be part of Operation Happy Nurse. So a little bit, I think you guys know our listeners, but I met Shannon, the founder of Operation Happy Nurse at Purdue University when I studied there for my undergraduate degree in kinesiology. And my role, as I'm sure you guys know by now, is co-hosting on this Happy Hour podcast. So Dr. Karagori, could you kind of introduce your role for our listeners and kind of what your position is in the company and any involvement thus far? Certainly. Um, my, my paid job, I am the interim head of the School of Nursing at Purdue University in West Lafayette. Um, I have been there for 11 years and have had various leadership roles in the School of Nursing. Mm-hmm. I have taught sophomores all the way through to seniors, and this year I'm teaching graduate students. So Um, I've had just a a wonderful um, 11 years at Purdue, and that is where I met Shannon. She was actually one of my students Mm -hmm. um, in our leadership in nursing class. So um, my position with Operation Happy Nurse is as a board member. So Shannon approached me, uh, I believe a little over a year ago, and told me about about the company, about the organization, and what her goals and mission was uh, in terms of providing support to our colleagues, to the profession. Mm-hmm. And so I, what, I didn't hesitate. I was just thrilled to be, to be part of this organization, which I think um, is, is growing. And the mission and the goal of Operation Happy Nurse uh, is even more relevant today when we, Definitely. Yeah, when we look at what's, uh, you know, the pressure and the stress uh, that our, that our colleagues out in the front lines are experiencing um, these kinds of, this kind of organization, I think particularly Operation Happy Nurses at, at the granular level in looking at, um, you know, the, the, the stresses and the demands on the profession. And this isn't going to go away. It's always been a demanding profession. Right. It's always been, you know, riddled with anxiety just by the nature of what we do as nurses. And again, now in this environment that isn't going away anytime soon, um, even when we get to the other side of the COVID pandemic, we're going to see a great deal of um, new challenges for nursing and caring for patients, uh, new challenges challenges within the within the healthcare system mm-hmm. as we right size post COVID. So, uh, you know, the demands on nursing have always been great, continue to increase, and will continue to um, make make it necessary uh, for these kinds of organizations to help sustain the profession. 
Right. I definitely agree. It's It's been a year, we can say, for everybody, especially those right now in the medical field. Uh, can you tell us a little bit, as a nurse, I'm interested, can you tell us a little bit about your path exactly to becoming a nurse? Because I know everybody's different. As I started more in the personal training realm of things, and then I decided that anatomy and physiology were just very interesting topics. Kind of how did you get interested in nursing and kind of be where you are today? Well, it, it, curiously, I... I when I was in high school and, you know, becoming a senior, nursing was not my first choice. Mm -hmm. I really was looking at becoming an attorney or um, a social worker, a master's prepared social worker therapist. And what, what really um, lit the fire in me for the nursing profession was I had a part-time job in housekeeping at a local nursing home. Mm -hmm. And I worked every weekend and I was so, so inspired by the nursing staff, the professional nurses and the impact they had on the residents and the patients and the families and just watching the dynamic and the between nurses and their patients and their families. And again, the impact they had on the quality of, of those folks' lives. And I asked to job shadow several of the nurses just on my own time. And mm -hmm. again, this was in a long-term care facility. Um, and I, I was just, I thought this, this, this combines so many of the things that I have an interest in. Yeah. Uh, and even social justice, you know, watching residents and watching, um, you know, some of the challenges that we see the, even back then we saw the elderly have to endure and, mm -hmm. and again, the care part and the communication part and just the impact that, that nurses have in their environment and, and who's, you know, the patients, the families, the communities. So that's when I decided to go into nursing. And I, I took a very traditional um, path back 40 years ago. So I went to a diploma program, which was rigorous. It was a three-year program. I graduated with a diploma in nursing. Mm -hmm. And then about 10 years later, decided that I was a great nurse, but I needed to be a better thinker. Mm. So I went back and got my bachelor's on my BSN. And then um, during that time, it was about a 10-year period of time, I, was, I uh, found myself in leadership roles. And I really liked that ability to impact operations in terms of healthcare systems and operations and policy and those higher level decisions, and yet still be side by side with my nursing colleagues and mm -hmm. advocate for them. And then I went back and got a master of science in business because I felt there was a real void in my, in my business acumen. So, um, and then about, I did that for about 15 years and then decided that um, nursing education, I wanted to make a transition because I really felt the need to give back to the profession. And I felt that that uh, becoming a nurse educator really allowed me to have a, um, a greater impact on a larger community and that community being students. So I got a master's in nursing education, mm -hmm. went back and got a, an MBA 
because I still felt that some of my business background wasn't quite as polished as it could be. And then about uh, five years ago, I um, went to Rush University and studied and received my doctorate in nursing practice and systems leadership. So I've, <laughs> I've had a very long, successful career and um, love education, love uh, developing not only my own um, knowledge and skills, but uh, it helps me a great deal when it comes to uh, guiding my students. And so, and then about, it's been three years ago, our head of our school of nursing retired and I was approached by the Dean of Health and Human Sciences who asked if I would consider being the interim head, mm -hmm. given my leadership experience and my, and my teaching. So I've been doing this now going on my third year as an interim and um, have loved every minute of it. And again, I think um, I, I miss the students a bit. I miss the students yeah. a lot because I don't have as much bandwidth to be doing as much teaching as I did prior to this role. Mm -hmm. But I still see them and I still have the opportunity to, to um talk with them and guide them if they come and ask for usually it's for professional advice and, and career advice and so I've just been blessed I've had a number of roles within nursing my clinical background is critical care oh. um, but I've worked in critical care long-term care did a very short gig as an OR nurse and um, emergency room nurse so clinically I've had a very had a very rewarding and broad career. But again, most of my most of my 40 years has been over half of it has been in administrative roles. So um, nursing has been very good to me, the profession, mm -hmm. in terms of opportunities and um, being able to work with my colleagues on so many different levels and so many different areas. So that's how wow. I, that's how I um, landed to where I am today. Well, that's very inspiring oh. as a baby nurse such as myself. I've only been a nurse for about two and a half years now, but that's interesting that you talked about long-term care facility because I actually, when I was back in Indiana, I worked at one as a CNA and that's kind of when I, because it was kind of, I won't lie, when I first started, it was a job for me. I just decided that you know, I loved helping people, but it was a way for me to make money. But then as I, like you said, kind of got involved with the residents there and um, just got to work with them more, I decided that I kind of wanted to take it to the next level. So that's when I got into nursing. So it's interesting that you said that. And then um, now at my hospital, well, not right now because of the pandemic and everything, but I was on the shared governance board as a um, on our education side of everything with another um, coworker on our floor. So that's interesting that you say that. So kind of, you're very inspiring to me because I don't know exactly what I want to do if I want to stay at the bedside or if education and administrative roles is somewhere I want to go in the future. But yeah. That's, that's great. I, uh, the great thing about nursing is you always have the opportunity to sort of keep your toe in all the different areas, you mm -hmm. know, you want to still have the opportunity to practice. We have a number of our faculty currently who 
uh, a number of our faculty who are nurse practitioners and they, they still practice a day a week. Um, and then in the summer, they'll, they practice full time. And then we have other clinical nurse specialists and, and other RNs. I mean, they're all RNs and they will often during breaks or during the summer, and they'll go back to their to their healthcare organizations and work for the summer. So it's that oh. several have said it's such a sweet spot that we're still able to to be in the clinical setting, maintain our skills, um, you know, learn about a lot of the new technologies and treatment modalities, and yet and then come back in the fall and spring and teach our students. So they um, again, it's that opportunity. Nursing is such a broad field that um, you really have so many opportunities that uh, that you don't often see in other professions. Right. That's that, that was definitely one of the reasons why I got into nursing because I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. But as you said, there's so many different routes you can take. So that's kind of one of the main reasons I decided to join nursing. Besides the fact that I do love just bedside care and taking care of patients and learning about people. But um, I know you said that you miss the students and ours actually just started back on our floor this week. And I know I poor things. I can tell they are very stressed out right now with everything going on. How have, what have you seen with the students so far? I know it's just kind of started again, but what have you seen in their stress levels and how they're kind of coping with everything? It's, it's interesting you asked me that question. I, I met with a, a group of sophomores. I went to their first class and, and all of our didactic portion of our courses are all virtual now. So, mm-hmm. so we have them in synchronous classrooms and, and uh, they're all there. And it's so, it was so cool because I, when you're in a large class with a large number of students, initially it usually takes you about a month to, to be able to remember names. Mm-hmm. So in the virtual classroom, everyone's name is below their below their picture. So I was in heaven calling on <laughs> as I could see what their name, they, I could see their name on the screen. Right. But um, we've had a lot of discussions among faculty and leadership at the School of Nursing in terms of of being able to recognize, I think that's the most important thing to recognize that elevated uh, anxiety in our students. And and sometimes it's not easy, it's not always easy to recognize because students will uh, exhibit stress in very different ways. And it becomes even more of a challenge when they're new students, you know, our freshmen, that we don't have any benchmarks to know the student and Mm -hmm. know some of their challenges. But I think the most interesting um, piece of data that we we gathered and is that uh, we we taught students in the spring and over the summer our accelerated students our BSN accelerated students and it's a sixteen month program. Mm-hmm. So we got a special permission from Purdue to bring our those students into our center for, uh, simulation center as well as to take them out into the clinical setting with our practice partners because uh, the, the university was was shut down i mean mm-hmm. you know over the summer it reopened july 1st but all of april may and june so we developed a public health safety plan that was approved um, from the provost office so we had those students with us and out in the clinical setting. And the interesting thing is the students 
those students, their feedback was they absolutely loved being in the clinical setting. They felt safe, they felt supported, and, and actually a couple students said, I feel safer in the clinical setting than I do in the community. Wow. We know that, you know, all the safety measures, the, you know, enhanced PPE, mm-hmm. uh, that, that sense of community that I think you're seeing now among nurses and healthcare organizations, we're sort of all on the battlefield. Right. A lot of those, um, a lot of those old silos that we would see uh, among units or among staff at times seems to have, they seem to have come down because again, we're united in, in what we're doing and united in caring for not only our patients for each other and the students mm-hmm. really up on that and really felt that sense of community as nursing students on these you know, in you know in the clinical setting mm-hmm. so we've taken that message out to our students we felt it was important for our returning students and our new freshman students to to hear from students who have been here and have been learning and have been um, having this experiential clinical learning in the hospitals. And I find that when peers hear from other peers, that peer-to-peer mentoring and that peer-to-peer sharing, uh, that helped a great deal for our returning students to know it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, it's, and the same goes for our faculty. You know, we have a number of faculty that um, aren't practicing, currently practicing, and so their anxiety seems to be a little higher because a lot of their information they're getting from the media or from, you know, anecdotal stories that folks share and not completely, not being able to experience what's actually happening in the clinical facilities and in the teaching facilities, I think uh, was a gap for them. And so we had a lot of faculty who are practicing come uh, and meet with, we met as a, as a team, all of the faculty and the faculty that have been practicing talked about, look, this, this, these are some tips. This is what we found helped us or helped me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, again, it's that sense of community. And that's something that I think Operation Happy Nurse truly understands is and and supports is that sense of community that we're you know that we all experience stress in different ways we all cope with stress in different ways but but we understand that that it is almost an inherent part of our role as a professional nurse at stress and i think the second we can recognize it and and identify it and speak about it that in itself helps to start um supporting ourselves and others that it's okay as a nurse to say i'm under stress or it's okay as a nurse to say i'm not coping well and then for all of us as as a community of healers to be able to start healing ourselves and help others heal and um, that's what we've really focused on at Purdue at the School of Nursing, both for the faculty and for for our students. That we're going to get through this. Mm-hmm. Uh, safety is the number one priority. Uh, we've we've built in a lot of flexibility into our curriculum and into our expectations. I mean, we're we're still we still have a very rigorous program, right? But understanding these are different times and. Um, 
we, as I say, we still maintain our standards uh, and expectations, but I think we've softened ourselves and mm -hmm. softened our communication and really enhanced the transparency. It's nothing's worse than if you think you don't know something that's happening and nobody's sharing it with you and it impacts you. And I right. think that's true for both the students and the faculty. So um, I just think recognizing the times we're in and knowing we're nurses, we get through these things. Um, but I do think we're in a time and place in our history where we, do, we don't have to just buck up and say, well, I'm a nurse, I really can't, you know, I really, I have to be strong. Yes. I have to show that I, I'm, I'm not gonna break. I'm not going to break under this. I just have to keep, you know, getting through this and head down and and we don't have to do that we that's not going to get an individual or a, or our profession through this and future challenges we have so yes definitely yeah so we, we you know it's about it's about communication it's about it's about reassurance and it is about building a a community and you mentioned shared governance and i think that's so important in our profession and in our organizations and at Purdue at the School of Nursing, we have even broadened that to include students. How do we, how, do, how can students be involved at, again, at that granular level in terms of how can we do this differently? Right. Uh, how do we achieve this outcome? What are your ideas knowing that, that we're all in this together? Yeah, I definitely agree. There's this, and I think I struggled with it too at the beginning, because like I said, I'm a baby nurse, but when I first started, I had this sense of, I need to prove myself. You know, even my manager would sit me down and say, you need to start delegating. You need to understand that. You, I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong, but you need to start leaning on people. You can't take everything on yourself. This is a heavy med search floor. And I think what you're saying is it's so true that teamwork and just having that community as some people to hold you up and be there for you when you're struggling is huge. And Nursing, I think, like you said, we have, at least I know I have that complex where like, I can take it on myself. I don't need any help. And there's definitely this time where you need to be, especially this year, as we talked about, just having that sense of communication and being able to, whoever it is, especially those in your field that understand what you're going through, but having the, I think, even the strength to be able to talk about it. And that's, like you said, Operation Happy Nurse has been a blessing because it's kind of brought that to light. And I think, you know, even people that are outside of the profession are seeing kind of that side of things for us. And it's not saying that we're not strong and we're not resilient and we can't do what, you know, the job that we have signed up to do, but also that we are only human at heart and we have to we have to be honest about how we're feeling and that's okay. Feelings are great, you know? Well, the, the, the problem is, I, I think, maybe baked into us, uh, anyone that goes into the profession, whatever motivates us. And, you know, I think, I think there's a lot of different motivators, but I do think that, you know, the essential motivation to go into nursing is to help others and is that view of life. But what, what becomes baked in over time is defiant self-reliance. And we say, I can do this. I, I, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm the one that's going to take care of these eight patients because right. I can hear them before I know how to. Mm -hmm. And in the past, even when somebody would say, well, can I help? And 
And I remember over the years having colleagues that if you offered help, they would almost be a little offended. Mm-hmm. You don't think I can do this? And be like, no, yeah. I know you can do it, but but I have some bandwidth here to help you. And it'd be like, nope, I've got this. And right. And I just think the profession, healthcare has changed so much and the profession demands on us now. We have to know more, do more. We're, you know, technology is baked into what we're doing. So we have to, we have to have mastery of technology. And, um, you know, in many cases, we're leading the healthcare team and, and um, just that overwhelming sense of responsibility. When, when you get to the cusp of it suddenly being a burden, Mm-hmm. Joy, and we often don't recognize that early enough. Right, and it goes back to that defiant self-reliance. Because I had I had um, an individual a few months ago say, and I have never thought of it this way, which is kind of disappoint. I'm disappointed I hadn't, but they said to me, Pam, why why are people admitted to the hospital? I'm like, okay, is this a trick question? Mm-hmm. That people are in the hospital because they need nursing care. They need 24 hour, 724 nursing care. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's why we have hospitals. So nurses can take care of patients. And that's not trying to lessen the role of the other health, you know, our other healthcare team members. Mm-hmm. In the end, we're there 24 seven. We right. are the ones with the patient, our 12 hour shift, eight hour shift, whatever it is. Um, and we hand off to some to a to a colleague when we leave. So, even thinking of it through that lens, could, and and I think added to the time we're in with the COVID pandemic, it, that's overwhelming. I mean, it is really even the thought mm-hmm. of how much responsibility we have. I mean, we're the foundation of the healthcare system. Right, a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. There is tremendous amount of pressure. Yeah, I think, and definitely this year alone has caused me to kind of take that step back and really deal with my mental health and making sure, because like you said, we're once we're there 24-7 with the patient, we have this need to leave it at the door. We're always told, whatever you're dealing with in your personal life, leave it at the door. Your patient's sick, you know, you need to take care of them. And so I think this year alone, I've been really just kind of listening to what I need and whether that's, you know, just any kind of stress relief and Operation Happy Nurse has been great for that as well. But definitely this year has been a time for me to step back and look at what I'm dealing with. And like I said, whether that's just taking some time off and being honest with my manager about maybe I'm taking all this in with the pandemic and all this stress and not handling it well enough. And maybe I do need to take some time for myself and then coming back fresh so I can be there for my patients and just really having that time to be introspective and look at myself because I always tell everyone it's kind of hard. It's really hard. I will say to take care of someone when you're not okay yourself. Well, and I, Carl, you make an excellent point because when you think about it, uh, taking care of ourselves and recognizing, recognizing that, that, that point where I need to step back that those, that, that mindset, mm-hmm. that acceptance uh, that we need to do that, uh, the vulnerability that, that we're exposed to just by the nature of, you know, we're vulnerable for these types of challenges just by the nature of our work. But the most important thing is that if we are going to sustain our profession long term, 
we absolutely have to address the, the mental health challenges, the trauma that uh, as nurses that we deal with day in, day out, the emotional trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I think that's, that's critical for, again, the sustainability of, of the profession. Because if we burn people out too early and they exit the profession, um, that, that's going to have a profound effect on on the profession and the long-term, um, the long-term sustainability of of being professional nurses and yes. and our community of professional nurses. Yes, I agree. That's what we talked about as well in our shared governance is how to keep nurses, you know, make sure the turnover isn't as high because we were having a lot of issues with burnout earlier and now this year, as you said it. We're just trying to make sure everybody is in a place where they are okay with themselves enough to do their job safely and well that they feel confident. So there are many exciting things planned for Operation Happy Nurse. Is there anything personally that you would like to implement or see kind of the vision for Operation Happy Nurse? What would you like to see come out of this in your role? Um, I... I think Operation Happy Nurse, I believe Operation Happy Nurse is on, a, on an excellent trajectory to do a number of things. And I think first and foremost is to remove the stigma that nurses shouldn't, shouldn't exhibit, respond, show anxiety, or that it's, you know, you had said earlier, you know, leave your problems at the door because you have patients to take care of. And we understand that. We mm-hmm. inherit understand that as professional nurses. But um, I believe that looking at um, strategies and and comprehensive strategies in terms of how we support each other as a profession. And again, I think Operation Happy Nurse is just on an, an, an incredible trajectory to be overwhelmingly successful as a vehicle and as an organization to support not only the profession, but individuals. And when we look at some of the opportunities, even currently with Operation Happy Nurse and the resources, you know, what helps me as a veteran nurse of 40 years and what helps you as a newer member of the profession in terms of, of helping, us, um, helping us recognize our our anxiety and our concerns, and then having different ways to help alleviate that, help support that. Um, And that's one of the things that I know Shannon and the board, we've done a lot of discussing in terms of what works for Carly and what would work for Pam, Mm -hmm. and making sure that we have those resources or at least access to those resources for, for our community of professional nurses. Um, But again, I, I, I just think that that Operation Happy Nurse has done such an incredible job of getting the message out. And again, that taking the stigma away that it's somehow there's shame associated with not being able to quote unquote cut it. Right. You know, that somehow it's a badge of honor when we drive ourselves into the ground and then bring it home to our families and then our, not just our, our own emotional and mental health, is impacted, but our physical well-being. You know, we're, we're always never, when we let it go too far, it's very difficult to come back to a point of homeostasis where physically, emotionally, 
and mentally were in a good place. And I think um, what Operation Happy Nurse has done is sort of, is to get the message out there. You don't have to go that far. It's okay. It's not a badge of honor to to just show the world how tough you are. The badge of honor is when you honor yourself and and you care for yourself because as you said earlier, we can't care for others. We cannot we cannot be our best. And knowing that what it requires to be our best in mm-hmm. today's environment is a lot. The amount of the amount of information we have to process in a 12-hour shift the amount of changes and you know changing on the fly in terms of treatment modalities or patient status and moving people around i mean i just i always i always use the example when i worked on a med surge unit and we had a very busy er and you know the er would just be saying okay we're bringing them up we're bringing them up and moving <laughs> patients around and where do you put the patient and how do you explain it to the patient and and dealing with you know, upset patients, families, and then suddenly you have a patient that uh, needs immediate resuscitation. I mean, that kind of changing dynamic and role and expectations is, it sometimes seems almost impossible. And as I say now in, in, this, in this COVID environment, that's been ex- exacerbated. I mean, it's, you know, we're dealing our colleagues, my colleagues are dealing, your colleagues are dealing with people that, um, whose condition can just turn on a dime. And some of them are alone when they die. And how do we as nurses support these individuals who somebody loves and you're the only person with them as they exit the world. And so that kind of pressure and trauma and um, expectations, I, I just... I just, I really believe that, that our organization, Operation Happy Nurse, knows that. They see that mm-hmm. uh, and are really developing a platform that is easy to access, that is supportive, that is joyful. You know, we've, this is an environment where it's easy to lose your joy, your joy for your work, your joy for life in general, even, because mm-hmm. you're just beaten down and exhausted. So, um, that's where I see, I mean, there's so many great things happening now, and I know the, the board, and I know Shannon, and, and all of you have some really great ideas. The other thing that I think as Operation Happy Nurse has done very well is the networking, uh, really networking with, with nurses and organizations, and really has their, their nose to the ground in terms of what's happening, and where are the needs, and um, you know, what, what are the different strategies and, and resources that maybe we hadn't even thought of that yes. aren't, that aren't your traditional, you know, uh, traditional ways of dealing with stress, but really are more custom made and unique for individuals. Yes, we've been doing that on our podcast series. I'm excited to see what Shannon has in store for us next to try for our stress and anxiety. We just did the coloring books, so we're continuously doing that right now. So I'm really excited to see what else she has in store. But I completely agree. I really love the sense of community and especially networking, like you said, with nurses that I wouldn't have had the opportunity to meet, even you, but many people that I wouldn't have the opportunity to meet if it wasn't for Operation Happy Nurse. So I'm really excited for the future 
and what that holds. But I just want to say thank you so much, Dr. Caragori, for being here with us today and letting our listeners learn a little bit more about your role here at Operation Happy Nurse and really appreciate everything that you do, especially teaching the next nurses of, of the world and glad to have you part of the team. So thank you again. Well, it's absolutely uh, an honor to be part of the team. It's one of the, I'm, I'm involved in a lot of different things. And I've got to tell you, this is the one that absolutely excites me for the future and being able to work with you and Shannon and the rest of the board is, uh, is an honor. It's truly an honor. So thank you, Carly. You're welcome. And thank you as well to our listeners for being our motivation to keep doing what we do and hope you'll be tuning in next week. Bye, guys.